Let me ask you some questions. What are you anxious about? What keeps you up at night? And when you get up in the morning, do you immediately start worrying about your day all over again? There are plenty of things to worry about. Money, school, work, or this year in general. If you're looking for something to worry about, chances are you're going to find it. The bills keep coming, the future seems uncertain, and I'm pretty sure most of us aren't getting any younger. It's easy to feel like you're drowning in the sea that is worry, to feel like there's no way out. So when you face your worries, what do you do? So what do you do? I want, I want to welcome everybody here today, also those who are watching us on TV and on the stream. If you could, share this content with other people if this has been helpful to you. We're in the middle of a series called Greater Than. We've talked about the fact that God's love is greater than anything we've ever dreamed or imagined, and that God is greater than our greatest fear. And today we're talking about the cousin of fear, and that would be worry. And we're going to find out that God is greater than even our greatest worry. Years ago, I was a student pastor, and it was another church, and I had the opportunity. I want to make a good impression on the pastor. I was brand new to the church. I want to make a good impression to the parents and the students. I found an event that was in town, and I didn't know anything about the event or anything about the church. It just like, looked like it was going to be an awful lot of fun. And so I went to the kids. We had very many coming at the time. And I said, hey, I would love for you to come and be a part of this event. We'll go across town. We'll enjoy it with this other church. And so everybody signed up on the dotted line. Had about 25 kids that I took. And finally, the day of the event came. We went over to where the church and where the event was at. And those people were the nicest people, just the super nice people. But then the service began. They began to sing songs. And, you know, I'm, I'm all for people raising their hands to the heavens. I mean, that, that's biblical. I think that's a wonderful thing to do do as you praise the Lord. But the Bible talks about the fact that we should have orderly worship, right? So that we should never do anything that would draw attention to ourselves. Well, these people had missed that chapter from the Bible because uh, the music got going and they began singing, which was great. And they were raising their hands, which was great. And then they started dancing. And not just dancing in place where they're at. They started dancing up and down the aisles. And then certain people were overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit. And they began to have convulsive fits on the ground there in the aisleway. It was one of the craziest things I've ever seen. And I've got these 25 kids with me who have never seen anything like this before in their life. And their eyes are like this. Like, what, what, what are we doing? What, what's, what's going on? You know? I was just waiting for them to bring the snakes out. Do you understand what I'm talking about? That's what I was waiting for at this particular point in time uh, in my life. Well, I was praying. I was praying to God. This is my first event to take these kids to. I am praying. I'm saying, God, you got to calm these people down now. you got to calm them down right here, right now. It's freaking everybody out. Well, thankfully, they did. Speaker came out, and he began to share, and he did an excellent job. I mean, everything he said, I just agree with wholeheartedly. It was right on the money. Talked about taking up your cross, denying yourself, and following strong after Jesus. Got to surrender your life for him. He's got to be the leader of your life. I'm like, yes, 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 yes. And then the service got weird again. He got done with his little talk, and now it was time for the invitation. For those of you who don't go to church very much, uh, they have an invitation at many churches where you have an opportunity to come down. You can ask Jesus Christ to come into your life. Well, he decided he was going to do it in a most creative way. He was going to turn all of the lights down. So let's get the ambiance. Let's turn the lights down right now, if you would. And then he had a red light come up on a cross right next to where he was speaking. So you got pitch darkness, and you got a red light 
on the cross. And he said to the kids, he said, many of you need to take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow him. And so I want you to stand up where you're at, and I want you to scream out, I want the cross. And then I want you to come down to the very front, and we will pray for you. I think that's nice. That's okay. It's a little dramatic, sure, but okay, if you want to do that. And so we sat there, you know, and it was dark, and we're looking at the Red Cross, and all of a sudden, the kid said, I want the cross. And that scared me to death, because I didn't know where it was coming from. Then another kid said, I want the cross. And so he started coming down, and I was like, thank you, Jesus. I mean, people giving their lives to you. That's, that's awesome. But then the speaker began to, in my opinion, manipulate the situation. Because he extended the invitation for over an hour. And these were some of the things that he said to the kids. If you've ever been lonely, say, I want the cross. So we hear another kid say, I want the cross. And then they say, if you've ever disobeyed your parents. I'm like, seriously? Everybody here, including me has disobeyed their parents. You need to say, I want the cross. Then he said this, if you've ever had a suicidal thought or suicidal feeling, scream out, I want the cross. And then he said this, and I kid you not, an hour had gone by. 90% of the students are now at the very front. I think that was the goal, to get every kid to the very front. And all 25 of my kids are still standing, sitting solid right there, that no one's gone forward. Because I've been praying, oh God, please, may none of my kids want the cross, right? Because I don't know if they go forward, what in the world's going to happen to them. So then he says this. If you have ever sinned, sinned, if you've ever had a regret, stand and say, I want the cross. That was when one of the kids, about two people down from me, stood up and said, I want the cross. And I grabbed him. I said, no, you don't. <laughs> that was it for us. We took out, headed for the bus. You can turn the lights back up again. We got back to the bus. Everybody sat down. I said, does anybody have any questions about what they saw tonight? Every hand went up. I thought, oh, no, this is not good. This is not good. My very first activity, my very first event, I should have checked this thing. Oh, this is not good. So I began to answer all their questions, started using Scripture about what was right and what was wrong and what was orderly and what wasn't and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and so an hour went by, and we said, oh, let's head back to the church. And, of course, I'm dreading it. Because I know what's going to happen. Those kids are going to get off that bus and they're going to tell their mom and their dad about the crazy church that I took them to. That's what's going to happen. And I'm going to get phone calls. You know the phone calls? Oh, the phone calls are going to come. And here's the best of the best. The pastor's daughter had gone to the event as well. So I was waiting for him to call me on the phone and to let me go and to fire me. Finally got home later that night. I'm tossing and turning to my bed. I can't sleep. I can't eat. I'm running every scenario in my mind and none of the scenarios are turning out very good. You ever been there? Worry gets the best of you, the cousin of fear, and all of a sudden you begin to spiral and you take a thought and that thought gets out of control and before you know it you've made yourself absolutely sick. It starts to consume your mind. It consumes everything about you. Think about this for just a second. How many things have you worried about this past week? I'm going to list a whole bunch of things real quickly. You just kind of do your fingers as I go through them. You ready? Just kind of go, get, just tally them up as we go. You worry about your job this past week? Because some of you did, so you're going to give yourself one, right? 
Do you worry about your wife because she went on the crazy train? Anybody worry about that? Because she, or your husband, right? Anybody worry about their kids? Worry about where they're heading, the decisions that they're making, the trajectory of their life? Worry that they'll never move out? Anybody have that this past week? Anybody have that at all? Did you worry about your health this past week? I bet you did. Did you worry about your parents' health? Did you worry about your finances? Fearful you might have more month than you have money? We, we spiral. We put all these things in our head, then we turn the news on. That's not good. Then we worry about COVID. We worry about global warming. We worry about terrorism. And so we just think of, we worry about stuff all the time. We worry about big things. We worry about little things. We worry about stupid things. We worry about crazy things. And if we're honest, we hate every single second of it. And we know, I'm not telling you anything new, we know it doesn't work. We know it doesn't work. We know it can't change the past. It can't affect the future. It only makes us miserable today. And yet we worry. And we're anxious all the time. And as a result, we get sick. We get high, high blood pressure. We end up with heart attacks. We end up with ulcers and anxiety and stress. Now, some of you are looking at me and say, Todd, I really appreciate the fact that you're talking about worry today, but I don't have a problem with worry. I'm concerned a lot. <laughs> but I don't have any issue with worry. Well, let's find out. There is a difference between the two. Concerned means there's, there's something you can do about it. When you feel concerned about something, that means that there's actually an action step you can take to solve it, to fix it. There's something <laughs> that you can do. So you're concerned about an upcoming test, students? Well, then you should study, right? There's something you can do about that. That would be a concern. You're concerned about your weight or you're concerned about your health. Well, then maybe you want to go to a gym or get on an exercise program or go on a diet. Or maybe if you're worried about your health, go, go see a doctor. See, a concern means that there's something you can do about it. Concerned about your finances. All right, you can worry about it where you can't do anything about it, but, or you can put yourself on a budget and let your concern lead you to a positive action. Worry, on the other hand, has to do with things that you have no control over whatsoever. There's nothing you can do, nothing you can say. There's nothing that's going to change that situation. And God would look at you and God would look at me and say, okay, if that's your case, if it's out of your control, out of your hands, don't worry about it. Trust him instead. Now, we're going to look at a guy who was able to do this. And here's the hope, because I don't think any of us are going to walk out of here going, I am never going to worry ever again. This is awesome, Todd. Thank you so much for the secret recipe. I don't think that's going to happen for any of us, including myself. But here's the hope. Paul gives us this secret sauce that if we apply this, I don't think we'll eliminate worry from our life, okay? But maybe we don't have to do it so much. Maybe we can start getting a good night's sleep again. Maybe we can stop running so many scenarios in our mind where every single scenario ends up bad. Now, let me set this passage of Scripture up in Philippians chapter 4 because it's the secret sauce. It's the secret formula to how to reduce the stress and the anxiety and the worries in your life. When Paul writes this, and you know who Paul is, right? Greatest missionary to walk the face of the earth. He's the one that God used to write almost half the New Testament. When he writes this letter to the church at Philippi, he writes it from a prison cell. He's been thrown in prison once again for proclaiming that Jesus Christ has risen again from the dead. Wasn't popular back then. It's becoming not very popular today, isn't it? So he's sitting there in this jail cell. And not only that, but he finds out because some of his friends come and visit with him. And they say, listen, Paul, people are slamming your name everywhere around town. 
People are saying you're a liar, that you're a conniver, that you don't know what you're talking about. They're gossip about you. They are trashing your reputation all over town. Now, if anybody had any reason to be worried about a situation, I would think that it would be Paul, wouldn't you? And yet, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he writes these amazing words. He says, don't be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul says, don't be anxious about anything. Well, write this down if you're taking notes. What's the first step to the secret sauce? Uh, Worry about nothing. Worry about nothing. If it's beyond your control, don't worry about it. Paul says, what can I I do? I'm not going to worry about me being in this prison cell. I'm not going to break out of it. I'm not going to escape. I'm stuck here, and it's beyond my control. There's literally nothing I can do. So I'm just going to trust God. I'm not going to worry about it. It's in his hands. And all those people who are slamming me, all those people who are saying those terrible things about me, I can't shut them up. I can't stop them from saying ill things about me. That's okay. That's for God to deal with anyway. It's beyond my control. I'm not going to waste my time worrying about that either because I'm going to trust in God. What did Paul understand? He understood that worrying is absolutely useless. There was a a young girl. She was in her 20s, and she was worried about everything all the time, just worried about everything, worried about her job, worried about her health, worried about her weight, worried about what the dog thought of her when she came out of the shower naked. She was just worried all the time. And she would always talk to her dad all about the worries. And so one day the dad just got fed up with it, just got sick of hearing all this anxiety, all this worry. I mean, nothing was ever, I mean, she just was spiraling. Dad said, listen, honey, I want you to come over this afternoon. I want us to sit in the front room, and I want us to spend an hour just sharing all of our worries. And the girl said, without thinking, she said, well, Dad, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my entire life. That won't do either one of us any good. And the dad said, exactly. You you sit around and you run these scenarios in your head and you worry about this and you worry about that and it doesn't change anything, doesn't change your situation, is completely useless and your worry shows your lack of faith. You knew that, right? I mean, mine is the same way. My worry shows my lack of faith. It shows that I really don't believe that God is big enough or strong enough or tough enough to handle what I'm facing. Here's here's Paul in a prison cell. People slamming his name left and right. He says, I'm not going to worry about it at all. I'm just going to trust God. He honestly believed that God was big enough to handle what he was facing. Years ago, I... uh, was uh, watching a movie. Well, my in-laws had come in town, a whole bunch of them, and we were watching a movie. I think we were at the Cottonwood Mall, something like that. And afterwards, we went to use the restroom because that's what you do after you've seen a long movie. Everybody heads for the bathroom. So we all head for the bathroom. Well, another movie had let out, and they were in the bathroom, and so it was kind of congested in the area. And my father-in-law, I don't know if you knew Elton or not, but my father-in-law was kind of oblivious to everything else around him. And he kind of bumped into this young kid who was about 22, 23 years old. And he honestly, I don't think he even recognized the fact that he even bumped into him. He just kind of, you know, it's kind of crowded. A lot of people were bumping into each other, kind of bumped into the kid, and he just kept on walking to the bathroom. Well, the kid had some choice words for my father-in-law, he began to cuss him out, began to say some terrible, terrible things. And if you knew Elton, you would know that Elton could have cared less. He just kept on walking. But his son, uh, Andrew, decided to make a bigger deal out of it. And Andrew walked over to the young kid and got in the kid's face and said, I don't appreciate you talking to my dad like that. 
And so the kid starts jawing off, and Andrew's jawing off, and they're as close to each other, nose to nose. You ever see two guys getting ready to fight? Like they're going to kiss. That's what it looks like right there. They're as close as they can possibly get. And I'm thinking, oh, this is just fantastic right here. This is just great for me. Great. Way to go, Andrew. Way to go. Couldn't have just walked away and let it go. No, 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 no. I had to be a big shot, didn't you? All right. So he's in the guy's face, and they're just jawing back and forth. And two of his friends came out of the bathroom and stood right beside him. And I thought, oh, no, Andrew's going to get beat down. That's what's going to happen right here. This is, this is not going to be good at all. Well, if, if you know me very well, you know one thing about me is I am extremely loyal, especially to my family. And there's three on one. And I'm like, uh-uh. Here we go. <laughs> so I step in next to Andrew. And I'm like, Smith and Wesson, man, what you got? Do you want some of this right now? And shockingly enough, they didn't back down at all. And um, so I'm thinking, oh, this is wonderful. This is just great. Andrew, you stuck your nose out. I stuck my nose out for you. Front page of the paper. Uh, local pastor gets in fight with punk kids. This is going to be wonderful for the reputation of the church. Thank you so much. And I was concerned. I was worried. But then all of a sudden, in the peripheral, my other brother-in-law came over. His name's Matt. Matt played college football. Matt is six foot four. Solid muscle. Big, bad man. Today, he is an FBI agent. He stood next to me. <laughs> the look on those three kids' faces. They turned and they ran away. And I said, yeah. <laughs> you better run. Because Matt's right here, I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> Paul's sitting in that prison cell. He's like, oh, I'm not going to worry about this. My God is big enough, he's strong enough, he's more than able to do exceedingly, abundantly more than anything I've ever dreamed or imagined. You do realize your worry shows your lack of faith. Which means you really don't know God that well. Because God hasn't brought you this far. God hasn't brought you to this situation to just let you be miserable, to let you just have the whole world implode around you. He is greater still. He's greater than your fear. He's greater than your worry. So Paul says, listen, first thing you want to do, just don't worry about anything. Just trust God. Now that sounds easy, doesn't it? You know how hard that is. So then he gives us the second part of the, sec of the secret sauce. He says, no, you pray about everything. You worry about nothing, and then you just pray about everything. All those things that frustrate you, all those things that frighten you, all those scenarios that come into your mind, you just, you just talk to God about all of that. Look at what he says here. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything. Well, I looked up the Greek on that one, and everything in the Greek means everything. By prayer and petition. Pray about what's going on in your life. You see that pretty girl that you want to ask out? Pray about it. Pray that God would give you courage and that she'd say yes. Pray about the tests that are coming up. Pray about the job promotion. Pray about the raise. Pray for your marriage. Pray for your kids. Pray what, this is so cool to me, whatever concerns you concerns him. And that might be the most stress-relieving statement I can make today to you, is whatever concerns you, concerns him. 
And let me let you on a little secret. Whatever you're worried about today is what you're trusting yourself for. But whatever you're praying about today is what you're trusting God to do. So, so here's your homework assignment if you choose to accept it, because you're going to feel twinges of worry all this next week. <laughs> In fact, some of you won't even get out of this auditorium without feeling a twinge of worry. Some of you won't even be able to turn the TV off without feeling a twinge of worry. You understand what I'm talking about? It's going to happen. So what should you do? You take that thought and you pray about it. You lift that up. Every morning, here's your homework assignment. Every morning before you head off for your day, I want you to pray through your day. God, I've got this appointment. God, I've got this conversation. God, I've got this test. God, I've got this presentation. God, I've got this going on. God, I've got this going on. Just pray throughout your entire day and ask him to help you through the day. Just bathe it all in prayer. Because whatever you're worried about, you're trusting yourself for. But whatever you're praying about, you're trusting God. So what's the Bible say? Cast all your cares upon him. Because he cares for you. Now, I want you to notice in this passage of Scripture, it says that you pray and you also do this by petition. Prayer with petition. What does that mean? It means it's okay to talk to him about the same thing over and 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 over again. See, some of you think, well, I, I talked to God about it. I don't want to be a nuisance to him. I, I don't want him to think I don't trust him. So I'm not going to talk to him about it again. I'll just carry this burden myself. Let me ask you a question. How many times do you think Paul prayed about his situation in that jail? I don't think he ever stopped praying about it until he got released. I think he was praying for God's will to be done, but I think every time he heard chains going, I think every time he saw a, a, a soldier walk by, a, a prison guard, I think he prayed. I think he prayed. I think he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed. And here, here's your assignment. Every time you feel a twinge of worry this next week, and it will happen to you, you just pray right in that moment. You just take that thought, you take that spiral, you take that circumstance, and you just talk to God about it right then and there by prayer and petition. So what are we supposed to do? We're supposed to worry about nothing because we're going to trust God. We're actually going to put our faith in God and trust that he's good. And, and then we're going to pray every time we get worried. Every time we feel a twinge rate, we're just going to talk to God. Can you imagine how incredible your prayer life is going to be this next week if you'll just do this? You'll be closer to God this next week than you've ever been. And you'll see God do more miracles in your life than ever before. Because you're talking to him. You're walking with him. So you just pray. You pray. You pray. You pray. My friend, you pray. And then how do you pray? You pray with thanksgiving. You thank God in all things. You thank God in all things. What does that mean? Paul says, I'm going to pray with a thankful heart. Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Write this down if you're taking notes. This is so good. Don't be worried about what could be. Be thankful for what is. Let me say that again. That's good. Don't be worried about what could be. Be thankful for what is. We, we spiral. We, we take a thought and we say, I want it to be this way. I want it to be this way. I want it to be this way. And God says, all right, that, I understand that and I get that. But what about what I'm doing in your life today? Be thankful for what God's doing in your life today. Thank him for his love that never ends. Thank him that he's greater than your fear. Thank him that he's greater than your worry. Thank him that nothing's impossible with him. Thank him that he's the only one that can turn your circumstance around. He can take something that's bad in your life and he can turn it around for something that's good, that's beautiful, that can help and benefit somebody else. Pray with thanksgiving. Pray, thank him for the relationship that you have. Thank him for the fact that he's preparing a place for you in heaven. Just have a thanks-a-thon with God. Say, here's my concern, here's my worry, here's my fear, and I'm gonna give it to you. I'm gonna cast my cares upon you. And I want you to know I'm so thankful that I know you care. I know you're my dad. And I know you won't let me down. And I know that somehow, someway, you're gonna turn this around for my good and for your glory. And I'm gonna lay this at your feet and I'm gonna trust you with it. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. 
Be thankful for what you have. And don't spend all your time worried about what might be. And then the last thing is this. Think about the right things. See, it, make, it makes sense, doesn't it? Easy to, for me to say, this is very difficult to do, isn't it? Think about the right things. Because a verse later he says this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. So most of your worries don't meet that criteria. You recognize that, right? Most of the things that you worry about, they're never going to come true. All those scenarios, they're just, they're just, it's just a waste of time. It's not, it's not true, and it's not lovely, and it's not admirable. It's not noble. It's none of these. It's not excellent. It's not the excellent life. It's not praiseworthy. But these are the things that we're supposed to think about. What does Proverbs 23, verse 7 says? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Okay, so worry begins in the battle of the mind. So we take a thought and we, we focus on that thought and we spiral with that thought, right? That's what, what's what worry is. And a lot of us are really good at worrying. Well, what if instead of doing that, we took that thought and we made it obedient to Jesus and we cast it to God and we said, I'm gonna focus on the love of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God. I'm gonna focus on the power of God, the knowledge of God. You focus, you get your focus on him. Remember last week we said when Peter was walking on the water, he got his focus on what? He got his focus on Jesus. Let's fix our eyes on Jesus. See, you can fixate on your problem. You can fixate on the thing that's bugging you, the thing that you're worried about, and you can spiral and you can get sick. Or you can focus on your Savior and believe in him and trust in him, and you can have a peace that passes all understanding. You have the power to do either one. It's just you've trained your brain to do this one rather than this one. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Because I've done the same thing. Have we forgotten who we worship? Who we live for? Have we forgotten who it is who we proclaim to be the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Isn't Jesus the King of kings and the Lord of lords? And isn't he the Alpha and the Omega? Isn't he the beginning and the end? Isn't he the giver and sustainer of life? Isn't he higher and greater than anything you've ever dreamed or imagined? Isn't he capable? Isn't he able? Doesn't the battle belong to the Lord? Is this just rhetoric? Is this just things we sing and things we say? Or do we believe it to the depths of our soul? And when a worry comes, we say, I'm not focusing it on you. You will not get me today. I will focus on my amazing God. I love this passage of scripture in Isaiah chapter 40. It asks the question, who, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hands or with the breath of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Isaiah says, listen, our God is so big that all the oceans fit in the palm of his hand. Our God is so huge that he knows where the universes begin and where the universe is in. Guess what? We haven't got that figured out yet. But, but he knows. See, I honestly believe that our God is the one who fashioned that sun. 
And he's the one who set every star in the sky. That he is the one who set every planet into orbit at just the right distance, at just the right tilt. That he's the one who told the oceans, this is as far as you're going to go, and you're not going to go any farther than this. My God is almighty, all-powerful, all-knowing God. And nothing's too difficult for him. And it's more than rhetoric. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Take that thought and say, God is greater still. He's able. And when you go through difficulties, and just to let you know, you will. God will be with you in the midst of it. Psalm 23, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil because you're with me. You worried about something? You know what the Bible says you should do? Is you should focus on the faithfulness of God. How many meals does he have to provide before you believe he'll provide for you? Think about all the clothes. Oh, ladies, think about all the clothes and all the shoes and all the purses that you've owned throughout the course of your life. That's a lot of clothes. He's provided for you, hasn't he? All the meals, all the shoes, all the clothes, all the shelter. Think of all the ways he's come through for you. Think of all the prayers that he's answered. And yet you're still worried. Jesus said this, some of his most comforting words. Come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. What worry is stealing the joy of your salvation away from you? Don't you think it's time you finally give it over to him? And tell him that you believe that he is greater still. I want everybody to bow their heads, close their eyes. I want everybody at home, just where you're at in your living room, just make sure everybody does. Everybody bow your heads, close your eyes, because I want to release you of this. I want to get rid of this worry. Whatever it is, I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what's running through your mind every second of every day. But I, I know this, it's time for it to, to end. It's time for you to focus on Jesus and allow him to take it. So here's what I want you to imagine yourself doing. I want you to imagine taking that worry and throwing it in a ball. And I want you to imagine it given to Jesus and let him throw it as far as the east is from the west. I want you to cast all your cares, all your worries, all your anxieties upon him right now. I'm going to shut up in just a second. You're going to do business with God. And I want you to see what he'll do with it. And I want you to tell him, I believe in you. I trust in you. And you are able. You are able. I believe that with everything that I've got. And I'm no longer going to focus on this, but I'm going to focus on you. You talk to God right now about the issue in your life, the worry that you have that's consuming you, and give it to him right now. You do that right now.
Lord Jesus, grant us your peace. Your peace that passes all understanding. Help us to fix our eyes on you because you are the author and the perfecter of our faith. And nothing is impossible with you. And Lord, I pray that it would be more than just words, but it would be a lifestyle of who we are and what we believe. And that the way that we believe it, Lord, would shine through in the way that we live our life. Lord, that every time this next week when we get a twinge of worry, that we would seek your face. That we would cast that care back to you because you care for us. And that you would lift that burden. You would teach us what it is to truly have faith in you. To trust in you, even when it's dark. Even when life doesn't make any sense. Even when our brain is out to get us. Help us to take that thought captive and make it obedient to you. You are greater still. You are greater still. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.